Welcome to the DevOps Mastery Podcast. We're here to get you from where you are today to being a DevOps master by helping you cut the learning curve down into manageable pieces. So without any further delay, let's get going. Now, where did I put that machete? Hey, Jason, guess what time it is? It is time for us to gather and have muchas fun. That's right, because we're going to do another DevOps Mastery podcast. I'm going to apologize for the long gap. If you're new to the podcast and you've listened to them all together, then you didn't notice that we weren't recording for a month. Uh, we did go for about a month. We're really sorry about that. But I just, apologize. I'll take the blame. You're going to take the blame? Okay, I'm taking the blame. Yeah, I wasn't available. My daughter went to college, and I just wasn't available. I was going to blame my company sending me to Pittsburgh. Nah, nah, don't do that. Okay. Anyways, um, hey, Jason, our first podcast back is um, going to be what we shouldn't have been for the last month. Uh, don't be a tool about tools. That's right. So we're going we're gonna to talk about how not to be a dick when you're trying to choose tools and how to you know, be positive. And... It, it's always better to be a toolbox than a tool. That's right. But hey, you know what? Before we get started... Let's remind everybody that they can send us feedback at feedback at devopsmastery.com, or you can tweet at us on the Twitters at devopsmaster, not mastery, just master. master. Um, <laughs> you also may be interested in the fact that I am, believe it or not, Jason, somebody is going to let me do a presentation at Ohio Linux Fest. That's awesome. Isn't it, though? Yes, it is. Um, so that presentation will be on October 25th, the fest itself is the 24th and 25th. The 24th is mostly training courses. Uh, good stuff, though, but with, like, real live people teaching, not something dorky. I'm hoping to get that weekend off. I'm hoping you do, too, because I need somebody to videotape me. But, um... <laughs> oh, sweet job! <laughs> yeah. No, I hope you can come down, because there's, there's a lot of good stuff. If you haven't been to Ohio Linux Fest and you live in... Indiana, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania. Yeah, drive. Come to Columbus, Ohio, because it's, it's a cool place, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, I'm neutral on Columbus. Columbus is our state capital. So come visit the state capital of Ohio and uh, see a really cool Linux Fest. There are generally a lot of vendors there to talk to if you want to learn about uh, Linux packages. Everybody from the FreeBSD team is usually there, too because we're not exclusive at Ohio Linux Fest. Um, and there's a whole big long list of stuff to do. If you want to check it out, go check it out at ohiolinux.org, and you can see what's there. And if it is after October 25th, 2014, when you are listening to this, then uh, hopefully I have managed to put up a video, but that is several months in the future, so I don't know if that's going to actually have happened. And apparently it depends on me. Yeah, I have backup plans because you're not very reliable. <laughs> oh, my heart hurts. True, though, but my heart yeah. hurts. we refer to the first part of the podcast where oh, you fell on the sword. I'm not arguing it. I'm just whining like a little kid. Yeah, a little girl. Yes. Oh, see, I wasn't going to be gender specific. I, I, that's okay because boys <laughs> do all kinds of stupid shit, too. So. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get on with our topic, though, okay? Okay, cool. Tools, man. Everybody loves new tools. They love new things to play with. And tools, of course, make our jobs better, easier, faster, more accurate, um, make us look good if they're good tools, help us to prevent things from happening, right? Yes, I agree. 
you get to use all kinds of cool tools at your new job. Um, but what everybody wants is to pick the perfect tool right out of the gate the first time. And um, they, they just want to, they just want it to happen. Um, often it really doesn't happen that way though. So often you don't just pick the right tool at the right time. Um, and a lot of that comes about because there isn't a lot of communications. So as an enterprise architect, which is my current job task, whatever you want to call it, I am asked on a very regular basis to help companies deploy tools. And um, the problem that I run into in most cases is that nobody completely understood what the tools can do for them. They know it'll fix a problem or at least one of the problems that they have, but they don't really understand all the other things that that tool could be doing for them. So if it's a deployment tool, they don't understand that it could also be monitoring their testing, their unit tests, their whatever tests. Um, if it's a monitoring tool, well, hey, you know, it's not just going to monitor web servers. You could also monitor the network. Uh, you could monitor the disk array. You can monitor all kinds of other stuff and pull that all together to give you a more cohesive picture of what it looks like to run in your environment. Um, in larger environments, and most of my clients are pretty large, 2,500 employees or more for the most part. Um, in larger environments, it, it doesn't really get, it doesn't get any better, which is kind of scary because there's more people there to actually implement the tools. So the small companies that I work with don't have any worse record than the large companies. So if you think it's just because you have a small business, it's not, it, it doesn't change really. And the big problem with that is, is trying to get everybody to agree on what the tool should do, which is usually a big problem. Um, every company is different in how this happens and how the process works. So it's, it's not fair to say that there is any one thing that, that stands in the way other than communications. Um, you can always, almost always at least tie the problems with picking a tool to the lack of communication or lack of understanding of what the tool can do. Too many uh, Indians in the teepee. Yeah. Or not enough. You know, if only operations is there picking a tool that developers need too, then that's not a good tool. That may not be a good tool. I'm sorry. It could be a good tool, but it may not be the right tool for the job or it may not be the right tool for the company. You have to kind of make some concessions and choose based on what you're looking for in the tool. Um, yeah. So the way I try to counter that is I try to pull some people that are interested in the tools and I want members from all the different teams if I can manage it. And I'm really looking for people who actually have a tool already in mind and hopefully that everybody isn't on the same page. It sounds kind of weird. Like you're putting people into a fighting situation. Yeah. But what works out most of the time is that the teams, especially if they're respectful of each other and allow each other to have opinions, then they can fight through what all the issues are with each of the products, the products that they love and the products that the other person loves and come to a real resolution. They can come to a tool that they both can agree on. Now they may both not be happy because it may be a tool that's not either of their choices, but it's a tool that does better than either of their choices does. Or cost effective. Or it's more cost effective, right? Um, and cost is definitely a, a factor in, in this and that's, that's caused some problems. At this point though, DevOps wise, you can do almost anything with free or nearly free tools. Um, and free doesn't mean it's free to, in, I mean, it's free to install. It's free to run. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's not free to the organization because there's a stand up cost and there's other implementation costs and right. maintenance costs. Mm -hmm. 
but free as in there's no license fee for the software and it's open source. So you can look at the code and if the company disappears on you, that makes it no harm, no foul. You have the code. Um, so I try to get people that are of a diverse nature, people who are excited about a specific tool in the tool suite or the tool area that you're looking at. And then I try to put them all together into a room and get them to start discussing the topics of the tool and come up with a list of what they like about their favorite tool. And a lot of times things will line up. They'll be, you know, I like the way it graphs. I like the way it does this. I like the way it does that. And everybody can agree to those things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll actually get people surprised that, hey, you actually care about that. Well, I don't care about that. So I'll, you know, try to guide the team into saying, okay, well, you don't really care about that feature. They do. We have to respect that because there must be a reason. We try to get them to explain the reason. And kind of build everybody's knowledge too. Use it as a, as a knowledge building session, a way to get everybody talking about the tools and how the tools work and what should be done with the tools, long-term, short-term, all that kind of stuff. And right. basically once you've got all that stuff going, then um, and you've identified all the problems that you're trying to solve with the tool, then you start evaluating the tools. And once you start evaluating the tools with your wish list, um, both you evaluate both the target tools and any other tools that the team has has dug up that they think they want to evaluate that look like they meet most of this wish list that you guys have come up with in the first part. Mm -hmm. Then you try to go through that and you say, okay, here's the ones that look like they meet it. Um, usually, depends on how large it is. If it's not that, depends on what product it is. Some some mm -hmm. fields are more complicated than others. For instance, monitoring. I, there's a lot of monitoring options, a lot. Yeah. And you have to do a lot of work to, to evaluate which tools are going to do what you need them to do, uh, as opposed to just, hey, this monitors stuff. <laughs> it's just monitoring stuff isn't always useful. And there's different types of monitors, too. So there's like application monitors. There's all kinds of monitors. So monitoring can be really complicated. So you have to try to narrow it down. And once you've got it narrowed down to a select list, my next thing that I have to say is, You've narrowed it down to the list. You should be able to, at that point, say, this one meets, or these, this smaller set, hits all of our wish list features. And, oh, by the way, there's a few features on each one that we didn't even know we wanted, but now we're thinking we might. Ah, uh, the hidden sure. egg. Yeah, the, the hidden Easter eggs, as yep. I would call them. And they're just little Easter eggs and little things that you find while you're deploying the products that, hey, look, wow, that's a feature we didn't know it had, and... We didn't know we needed until we had it. And now, wow, how did we ever live without that feature? Um, and then once you've got everything narrowed down to, like I said, two or three, preferably three, but two or three products, those top three should all be proof of concept. And by that, I mean, you should take it, put it up against a few machines and see if it really does do what you want it to do or an environment and see if it does what you really want it to do. Um, even the tools that do have a fee, like Chef and Puppet, when you try to do large deployments, Chef and Puppet will let you test out five or ten hosts, depending on what product we're talking about, just to see if they actually do what you want them to do. And the developer, the I'm sorry, the monitoring software normally does that same thing. It'll let you connect it to a specific set of servers or a small size, five, ten, just something that you can get a good sample of your data on, just to see if it's what you want. That That's makes sense. Helpful. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Because you want to make sure that you can, uh, it's going to work best for you. You're not going to want to either pay for it or, you know, 
get it and then go, oh, this is horrible after a couple months of trying it, going, then you have to start all over again. It's a waste of time and resources. Yes, it is. So now that you've got it narrowed down, you try it out. Um, once you've actually done it, once you've decided this is the tool that we're going to do, you actually need to kind of build a small, at least a small project to stand it up and execute on getting the monitoring, if it's monitoring, or the configuration management, if it's configuration management, whatever it is. You need to get a project under, underway that will actually drive it to meeting those wishlist items that you had listed. And it's at that point that you start trying to also evangelize the product to your other team. So that's where you've had all these people on your selection team. It's their job at the point that you've all agreed this is the product that you're going to go with. It's their job to go out and help you evangelize it. You, the enterprise architect, or you, the person who started the ball rolling on this project, shouldn't have to go out and be the only person promoting it. And, you know, it's important to stress to the team members that we as a group made this decision. I didn't, you didn't, we did. Remember that when you're talking to people and don't influence people by saying, you know, well, this wasn't my choice, but it's the one the team came up with because that gives people an option to ignore it. Right. And it's such a simple concept that you would think is common sense to, to get more of a buy-in before you, you go venture forth and, and, and pick something, you know I mean? It, but a lot of times you see it in companies or they don't. They just go, hey, we're going to go with this because it's cost, period. And then they put it in and it's just not working. I can think of a few retail companies that used to do that. Oh, I've seen a whole bunch. Of t- you know, It's not just uh, – I know you're speaking from personal experience right, exactly, on the retail yeah. side. Um, but it's, it's – trust me, it's not just them. I've seen lots of companies just come out. I mean, a company that I worked for put a portal solution in – at a cost of about $3 million in software alone mm-hmm. and another 2 to $3 million in consulting fees. Wow. And then let it sit for two years before we stopped paying for it. Like we paid another half million dollars a year for two years. So we paid $6, $7 million, $8 million on this software that ne- it turns out nobody really wanted. You know, I really wish I had that kind of money just laying around that, you know, I don't really need. The, the old, you know, uh, build it and they will come concept doesn't work in it. <laughs> nope. You have to make sure that people want it before you build it. Only in and that's another and reason. Yeah. Baseball and cheeseburgers. Yeah. The cheeseburgers, especially that really works for cheeseburgers. <laughs> um, so then you do that. And then once you have, and, and you can actually do this next part, kind of, you can do it in the proof of concept phase. It depends on how your team thinks will best will be the best for evangelizing it. If you want to get super buy-in, a nice thing to do is when you get the proof of concepts set up is to have a few targeted team meetings where you you know, you meet with each team kind of individually. So your ops team, your dev team, your DBAs, well, they might be with ops, they may not, depends, but where you can show off what this tool is going to do and everybody can ask questions about why we're installing this and what does what's the point. Right. And you can hopefully get them excited about it. It really depends on what tool you're talking about. Some tools, you know, if it's just about building and deploying code, the DBA is probably never going to care about that. I mean, they'll care. They don't want to see it fail, but they're not going to get excited about it. Right. So, you know, know your audience, know what they're looking for, but try to give them a demo. And that's another good way to get people on board and excited about the project. And then do your best to try to use the features. 
and maybe you find out that some of the features were a little overblown and just wasn't as exciting as you thought it was going to be, but at least you know. Right. So you go wasting your money or time. That's true. So that's all. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay, Forrest. Anyways, don't forget you can send us feedback about this and you can tell me what a dork I am because I don't know what I'm talking about, which uh, you know, that's your opinion. You're welcome to it. But you can do that at feedback at devopsmastery.com. You can tweet me at DevOpsMaster on the Twitters. And don't forget, I'm doing a presentation at Ohio Linux Fest. Ohio Linux yeah! OhioLinux.org. Sorry, not OhioLinux.org. I don't know where that goes, but OhioLinux.org is the website. Right. So until next week, everybody, bye! Stay cool. Thanks again for listening to the DevOps Mastery Podcast. We really appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day to listen to what we have to say about DevOps. All of the content in this podcast is copywritten by Brian Wagner, his co-hosts and guests, and of course, DevOpsMastery.com. The music that you're hearing right now and we heard in the intro is copyrighted by Daryl Allen. And again, we look forward to hearing from you, so don't forget to send us some feedback at feedback at DevOpsMastery.com. Have a nice week, everybody.